I tell my wife every day, I love you and you can't do a doggone thing about her. I, I want her to know that. How can I make it better? How can I make her feel better? How can I make her happy that she married me 56 years ago and still with me to this day? Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, you guys, it is April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2019, which means that we are less than 30 days away from the launch of my book, Master the Key, A Story to Free Your Potential, Find Meaning, and Live Life on Purpose. And this is no joke. April 1st, there's no fooling you here. This is real. We are in launch mode here. And one of the things that we are gonna do on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is re-air kind of a mashup of some of the episodes from, from people who have influenced the book or offered endorsements from the book. People like Lou Holtz and Kevin Hall and Mel Robbins and John Gordon and Amy K. Hutchins and Jim Aframow and Cheryl O'Loughlin and Greg Amundsen. And I think I already said that. And Kara Golden and and Caroline Burkle. And we are going to combine some of these episodes together. And we're going to kick things off with two incredible people that I've had the honor of talking to and becoming friends with. And we are going to mash up the episodes from Kevin Hall and Lou Holtz first to kick things off on April 1st as we approach the launch date for my book, Master the Key, A Story to Free Your Potential, Find Meaning, and Live Life on Purpose, which which launches on April 29th. It's coming up. And so one of the things I'm going to do when I introduce each episode, each snippet of the episode, is read a little piece that the, the guest has shared about my book. And so Kevin says in his forward, Mike has written a story we can all relate to because in some way it is all of our story. There is a little bit of all of us weaved into each of the characters, but as the main character soon realizes and his mentors are quick to remind him of, personal transformation is exactly that, personal. You have to be willing to engage in the process without letting a desired outcome distract you. Why? Because you might miss opportunities that present themselves along the way. Fortunately for us, Mike has given us the tools to inspire our reflection and guide how we might respond. What does somebody do when they... They're stuck. They're doing something that they're not necessarily passionate about. They're good at it. Okay. They're, they're, they're fulfilling a role or a task. They're good at what they're doing. It's earning them a living, but they're, it's, they're not feeling fulfilled. And if you had, if you had to ask them the question, would you see this through to the end? And they say no. What does that person do? Well, and, and one other thing, likely that person will number one, Stop doing what you're good at. 
and start doing what you're great at. We all have gifts, and they're not just gifts, they're gifts of greatness. I'm only kind of good or kind of great at two or three things, and hopefully it's writing, speaking, coaching, and connecting. That is pretty much it. If I do anything else in a business setting, I'm not the accountant, I'm not the attorney. It's a disaster if I get involved in those areas. That is my sweet spot, as John Maxwell calls it. Those are your gift zone. And so it's, there's, a, there's a hint for you. People say, well, how do I know what my gifts are? You know, because you say, I would do it for free, right? I'd do it for free. And people will say, you were born to do that. That's in your nature. It's second nature to you. But there's also a hint that when we say to ourselves, I'm stressed, I'm overloaded, I'm going to have a breakdown. We've all felt that way. But when you are saying that to yourself 24-7, day after day, week after week, month, year after year, you're not on path and you're not on purpose, likely, because those three words were meant to describe the factory floor. It was in the industrial age that those words surfaced when you stressed the assembly line, right? It became overloaded, and what happened? It had a breakdown. We're not machines. We're human beings. And so you can ask other people, hey, what do you see in me? You can go get tested, but you know what you're reading, the movies that you watch, the books that you read, the magazines that you subscribe to or you read online. Curiosity is a huge indicator of where your gifts are. And there's three questions I ask people to ask when I'm coaching them. How can I bring more joy into my life each day. That person that's saying, I don't think I want to finish this. I don't know this. I'm kind of good at it, but I'm not great at it. Then I'd say, how can I bring more joy into my life each day? Answer that question. Question two links to question one. How can I become greater at what I'm greatest at? You couldn't have a gift without having a giver. When you open your gifts and unwrap them and serve others with them, you honor the giver of those gifts. So question two, how can I become greater at what I'm greatest at? And then you start on this apprentice journeyman mastery cycle. It's still the greatest self-improvement model in the world. In ancient days, if you wanted to become a blacksmith, you would go in your village, find a blacksmith. You'd become an apprentice, which means a learner. You would learn from that blacksmith. Then you would go on a journey, go to another village, learn from another master. And eventually you would become a master. You become a learner or an apprentice, go on a journey. And eventually you become a master. It's still, but a master never stops learning. In the East, a black belt, they say that's a new beginner, an advanced beginner. If you're a black belt, you're an advanced beginner. They have a concept called Shoshin, which means, you know, I'm just learning. I'm just beginning on this stretch. But that's what I would do. I would find out, you know, what is it that I love? That's what I want for all of my children. I want them to focus on areas that they would do naturally. Nature works, but nature doesn't work. You sacrifice, you stay up late. I'm sure to get that rocket out of there before Irma started threatening Florida, I'm sure people worked overtime for the last two, three weeks, last two or three days. But when I look out my back window and I see a red tailhawk flying, 
it looks like it's on a kite string because it's doing what it was meant to do. And it can float up there for minutes. It can float up there for an hour. And just every few minutes, it will just flap those wings once or twice, and it can stay up there for several more minutes because it's doing what it's meant to do. It's time for everyone on this call to tap into namaste. Namaste, the divine in me salutes the divine in you. I salute your uniqueness. I salute your greatness. I salute what you naturally do best. And stop doing what you're good at and start doing what you're great at. When you reached out to me for this, because we'd had a little hit and miss, I was thrilled, Mike, because number one, because of you, I'm on this call because of you. We've had a couple of really deep conversations that I normally don't have, you know, on a first or second conversation. It was just instant with you. And so here we are, there's, there's over 7 billion people on this planet, yet not one of us has the same fingerprint or footprint or even laughs the same. Every individual is authentic and every person listening to this is an unrepeatable miracle. And it's really time to start becoming that irrepeatable, unrepeatable miracle. Absolutely. And it brings up a really good point because I think there are a lot of people that including myself, to be honest with you, in, in certain areas of my life that want to move from just being good to living into the greatness that we are created to be and called to be. And yet we have this false sense of security. We have, have you ever, you've heard of Ernest Shackleton and their whole endurance story, I'm sure. Endurance, yeah, incredible. Yeah, incredible story. One of my favorite books. Yeah, great book. Uh, and I've talked about it a few times on my podcast. And one of the most moving moments to me in that story, in that true story, is when the, the, the crew was stuck, had been stuck on a particular ice flow for like four months, waiting for the pack to open up so that they could have a chance at escaping. And suddenly the ice pack opens up and they, they, are, they, don't, they hesitate initially. To leave their place of comfort, quote unquote, which is on this floating iceberg in the middle of nowhere, because they're they may not make it. You know, they may not make it past the ice flow. They may they may die. But it was just such a fascinating psychological experiment, not experiment, but I don't know the word I'm trying to uh, find, uh, but such a reality check that these people who were stuck in these set of circumstances for an extended period of time, saw freedom in front of them and hesitated because they, they might die. And I think that there's a lot of people listening that have a false sense of security that is preventing them from moving from good to great. So how do you, what's the next best step for them to do to begin that journey? Well, you got to expand and leave your comfort zone. Everything that's meaningful and significant and profound and lasting, that those legacy pieces, they're right at the edge of our comfort zone. James Newman, who was a dear friend and a mentor of mine who wrote a book called Release Your Breaks, he's the author of The Comfort Zone. He developed that concept that we tend to gravitate to the easiest, most comfortable area of our life and we get in a rut. I mean, let me ask you this question, Mike. Whose food... Do, do most people eat at a potluck dinner? Whose food? Uh, their own. Their own. You're at a potluck dinner. You're there to sample everybody else's food. Why do they eat their own food? 
Because they're sure it tastes good. Because <laughs> they don't want to die. That's yeah. why they eat their own food. In a microcosm, it's a little like Shackleton. They don't want to take that risk. They know the hands that have prepared it. They know when it was purchased. They know how it was prepared. So they gravitate to their food. It's the same thing in our life. Everything that's meaningful we grow when we expand what we're comfortable with. That's why it's wonderful to be in a mastermind. That's why people are listening to you and you're bringing content and information that expands what was comfortable. And then what happens is what was once uncomfortable becomes comfortable because we're at a new level. And then we just repeat that process and goal set through and we go over and over. But one other piece of that, if there were two sides to the passion coin, the other side would be all in. Oh, yes. I love that word. All in was on the Aztec calendar. And when a great storm or earthquake, I mean, think of everything that's going on in the world right now, when something like that was going to happen, they would scream all in, which means you got to move and act right now with all your heart. There are opportunities that present themselves. And in the middle of opportunity is the word port. When the winds are just right, the tides, the sea, in ancient days, a flotilla of ships could go into that port and they could conquer, they could do trade, they could meet friends and relatives, but only during that window of opportunity. My wife just brought you your Genshai coin, Mike, to make sure, thank you, Sherry, that it is sent to you as I just promised. It's sitting right in front of me. And so we have these windows of opportunity. We meet someone, something presents itself. And sometimes we say, well, can I do that? Am I worthy of that? Here's five affirmations that get me all in. I want to talk a little bit more about all in because it's engaging the heart. The, the biggest distance in the world is those few inches from your mind to your heart. And when you can get your heart engaged, the more senses that you can get engaged with an intention, with a goal, with a dream, the more likely that you are to achieve it. That's why we can feel and see and taste and touch and hear the more of your senses. I like to handwrite my intentions because it comes right from my heart and our bodies are wired for life. And it starts with the heart. We have 60,000 miles of arteries and veins and capillaries in our cardiovascular system. That's enough to go around the earth. Just in your body, Mike, we go around the earth twice. But yet that same heart can send one single red blood cell. While I just described that, it'll circulate through your body in less than 30 seconds, in 20 seconds. And that's why it's the center of literature. That's why novelists and playwrights and poets and songwriters have created this vocabulary around the heart. Hey, you're heartless. You're big-hearted. You're cold-hearted. It's heartfelt. Do it with all your heart. In Egypt... The heart was viewed as the seed of humanity, and I think they had it. In Judaism, the heart is the temple of the soul. It's the seed of wisdom. In Christianity, the heart is a symbol of love and compassion. So when you say, I'm going to move and act right now with all my heart, amazing things start to happen. I hope everybody listening will write down eight words. Act as if it's impossible to fail. And in the next week, when you get an idea, an impression, a thought, an idea, I should call this person. I should follow up on this. I should do this. And then that other voice says, well, you're not worthy of that. You're not going to do Who do you think you are to call them or do this or reach out to that or start this business or do this new initiative? 
Who are you to think that if you say, I'm going to act as if it's impossible to fail? When you do that, you start running towards your intentions. And when you run towards your intentions, they run towards you. And I think some of the greatest words ever penned were by Ogmandino when he wrote in that scroll in The Greatest Salesman in the World, I will greet this day with love in my heart. You know, that when he says, if I have no other qualities, I could succeed with love alone. Without it, I will fail, though I possess all the knowledge and skills of the world. I will greet this day with love in my heart. My book has started with that quote. And I don't like to use ubiquitous quotes, quotes that are out there, but I felt so strong about jumping in with all your heart. And when you do, things will line up. You can be, Victor Frankl used to say this, you can be half sure, but wholehearted. How do I know I'm on the right path? Jump in, move with all your heart. You're going to find out pretty quick. If you jump in with all your heart, if you're on the right path. And another way that you can tell is what Joseph Campbell taught me in The Power of Myth. He says, the way to find out about your happiness, and I write about this in Aspire, is to keep your mind on those moments when you are most happy, when you really are happy. Not excited, not thrilled, but deeply happy. What is it that makes you happy? Stay with it no matter what people tell you. That is what I call following your bliss. So that's why I said I had three questions. I only gave you two. How can I bring more joy into my life each day? That's what he's describing, following your bliss. How can I become greater at what I'm greatest at? And then question three is how can I best serve others? This is the contribution component with my greatness. How can I best serve others with my greatness or my gifts of greatness? Because Your purpose isn't about you. Leadership and pathfinding isn't about you. Your gifts aren't about you. They're about serving those who need your gifts, who need your leadership, who need your purpose. And again, once we do that, we actually receive what we're trying to give to others. I love that. And honestly, that act as if it's impossible to fail That is the reason we're on this call today. I texted you this morning. I said, hey, we haven't been able to line things up. I know it's a long shot, but in the off chance you have any availability today, could we do the interview? And like, I'm like, I sent that text. I'm like, the worst worst possible thing that could happen is he's like, sorry, Mike, my schedule's jammed. We'll have to try for another time. I mean, but I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have connected today if I didn't act as if it weren't impossible to achieve. And when you get on that path and you move from that point of good to great and you're following your bliss, as, as you put it, amazing things happen. And as you indicated earlier, the people that people have been waiting for you on that path. And I love the story in your book about when you were leading a scout uh, excursion somewhere, I think in Utah or Colorado, one of those two places. Grand Tetons. Grand Tetons. Oh, the Grand Teton. That's right. Yeah. And you had just conc- finished telling them the story about Michael Jordan's mindset coach. And then shortly after that, I think that same day, a few hours later, you encountered him on a trail <laughs> randomly. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You could be in the Grand Tetons and Dr. Gerald Bell, one of the top human behavioralists in the world, 
I'm sharing his story of being the coach for Michael Jordan. He put up the Louisiana Superdorm, the place of the NCAA National Championship game. You know, as Dean Smith would coach them, then he would have private sessions with the team and individuals with Dr. Bell. He, he coaches professional golfers, CEOs. And I'm sharing his story about 4,000 retired chief executive officers where he took a sabbatical from Chapel Hill at University of North Carolina. And he asked 4,000 CEOs at the top of the food chain, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? And the number one response, there were eight responses. It outnumbered the other seven, like two to one. It was, I would have carved out life goals earlier. Life isn't practice. It's the real thing. They were CEOs. They were already at the top, but they hadn't been intentional with their lives. And there was giving back and spending more time with their family, taking better care of the health. That kind of rounded out the top four. But I had all of these scouts together. We were going to do a 20-mile hike. And I said, if you go 21 miles, if you go the extra mile, I'll buy you a steak dinner at the Million Dollar Supper Club attached to the Million Dollar Saloon. Probably didn't fit scout rules, but I was buying them a, <laughs> I was buying them a steak dinner if they went the extra mile. Of my 18 scouts, how many do you think wanted to go 21 miles? All of them. All of them. But it isn't the beginning of the journey that's the hard part. It's the end. How many do you think wanted to do it at the end? Not, not many. Two. When we got to 20 miles, the others peeled off and said, you know, I don't really want that steak. I got my, my, I'll get my, my hiking merit badge, one of the toughest merit badges, and we're actually literally jogging. So we go up the extra half mile from String Lake to Bear Paw Lake. As we turn around, I hear, I see this bespeckled fit middle-aged jogger coming up and he says, are you Scoutmaster Kevin Hall? And I remember thinking, how can a solicitor or creditor find me <laughs> in the middle of the wilderness? And he ran up next to me and I said, where are you from? And here I have Chris Johnson behind me and his friend, Peter Stevenson, and excuse me, Jeff Larson, Jeff Larson, his friend, uh, Chris. And they're walking, they're listening, they're, we're hiking. And I said, where are you from? And he says, I'm from North Carolina. What part of North Carolina? Chapel Hill. And I said, you wouldn't happen to know a Dr. Gerald Bell, would you? I just shared his story with all of these scouts this morning. He stops dead in his tracks. I stop in my tracks. The scouts don't stop. They run right up our backs. And he looks at me and says, true story. So I had him write the foreword to my book. I am Dr. Gerald Bell. Now, he lived in Colorado when he grew up, and once a year, he takes this pilgrimage. He stops in the Grand Tetons. He'll run six or seven or eight miles. He was doing six and a half miles that day. And because we went the extra mile, I think there's something in there for that. We happened to run into him the very day that I shared a survey that Peter Vidmar, Olympic gold medal, uh, two-time gold medal gymnastic champion, one of my best friends, he had just sent me. Faxed me. That was the days we had fax. Didn't have an email then. He faxed me this study. You ought to share this with your scouts when you're out taking them to the Grand Tetons. And sure enough, I did. And that is so true. When you get on path, you'll meet people who've been waiting for you all along. I, I want to share five affirmations if I can, Mike. Absolutely. Go for it. They're not in the book. And I share these more individually. They came to me once when I was coaching someone who was really struggling. And I felt, and I still do to this day, that they were inspired not just for that individual, 
but for everybody that crosses my path. Generally, what follows I am follows. I am means the beginning from the end. It's a, it's a sacred salutation. It's also a title in sacred writ. Here are five statements. Three, you could make all of them I am statements, but three of the five are I am. I am worthy. Just think of that when you get a negative thought. You, you think of texting me, hey, Kevin, would you like to, to hop on with me and we'll do an interview today? And you say, hey, I'm worthy. I'm going to do this. Every person on this call, when you deal with love, that says you're enough. If you believe you're enough, there will always be enough. I'm worthy. Two, I am capable and grateful. You have a unique set of gifts and capacities. And as I said earlier, when you open your gifts, you honor the giver of those gifts. Gratitude means grace. And grace comes from divine gift is the origin of that word. When you, you can express your gratitude with your gifts by understanding what they are and serving others with them. I am worthy. I am capable and grateful. Number three is one of the biggest ones where people get hung up. I forgive. You can say I am forgiving if you want an I am statement, which is great. But I say I forgive. Who do I forgive? myself, and others. By the way, if I give you something, I take something that's mine, I give it to you, it's no longer mine. The four is an amplifier. I thrust it away. I throw it away. It's not even close to me. So when you forgive, it's a gift you give to yourself. Not that what somebody did was right. If somebody betrayed you, somebody, whatever has happened in your life. Some people are saying, I want to go, and they're going 100 miles an hour. And I say, have you forgiven? No. Well, It's like Jim Newman's book, Release Your Brakes. You have one foot on the gas pedal. You're going as fast as you can go, you think, but you're not going anywhere because your other foot's on the brake. When you forgive, and Viktor Frankl taught that so well. He said, I never forget when a good deed is done to me, and I always forget when a bad deed is done. Now, you know, when your whole family's wiped out, your first wife, your unborn child, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, when you lose everything and you can say, I always forget when something bad is done, that's somebody who's lived a life well. We get into this fancy, you know, we have fancy problems. Well, this person did this or this didn't go right. Or that person cut me off. We're dealing out of fear. We're dealing out of hate. We're dealing in scarcity. There's not enough. But if you believe you're enough, there will always be enough. And that comes from love that love is the ultimate and highest goal to which we can aspire. If you really love yourself, you're going to forgive. You're not going to hang on to something that's going to create walls that you're going to build with your own bricks that will imprison you. Number four, so I am worthy, I'm capable and grateful, I am forgiving, or I forgive myself. You can't forgive others unless you forgive yourself. We all come up short. You do your best, you say, next time, I'll do it right. By the way, one of my favorite Statements is that's like me, that's not like me from a book by Shad Hempstetler that I read 30 years ago. It's not a great book. I, I don't mean to say that about Shad, but the concept is when you do something right, say that's like me. When somebody gives you a compliment, say thank you. I accept and receive that. That's what I've added to that. And you're saying that's like me. You drive a ball down the fairway, goes right in the middle. You say that's like me. You, you, you know, you, when you hook it, 
instead of breaking your driver and screaming, I'm such an idiot, I can't do that. You say, that's not like me. Next time I'll do it right. That's built into, I forgive. Who do I forgive? Myself and others. The last two, I think are two of the most powerful. Maybe we can end with this, Mike. The last two are, or wherever you want to end, but these five affirmations, I am abundant. Abundance is your birthright. You have divinity within each and every one of you. It's time to release that potential. It's time to begin your own heroic journey. And again, abundance comes from love. I am abundant. If you started to act abundantly in, in this week from, from now until when you hear this, when this is produced and they hear this, Mike, if, if every person on this call said, I'm going to act as if it's impossible to fail, I'm going to do these five affirmations every day, and I'm going to act like I am abundant. You will be blown away at the changes and the opportunities to contribute and make a difference that begins surfacing in your life on the hour, on the day, on the week. And the fifth affirmation is probably the biggest one. I trust myself. Or I am trusting, if you want an I am statement. I trust myself. I trust that this intention, this goal, this dream, this aspiration, it has to have two things. It should align with your unique God-given gifts, I believe, and it should benefit somebody other than yourself. It can benefit you, but if it's mutually, if it's just you, it's a selfish, self-centered goal. But if it benefits someone else, not just yourself, I don't think you you could conceptualize that intention or goal or dream, if you couldn't achieve it. So when you say, I trust myself, then whatever you put out there, whatever it is, hey, I can do it. And a lot of your friends may not believe that you can do that. It doesn't matter what they believe. If you just focus on the power of belief, if you love yourself, believe means to be love, then you just believe it. And as Napoleon Hill taught, as I said earlier, all thought, it, it will manifest itself in its physical equivalent. All thought has a tendency to clothe itself in its physical equivalent. So if I, if I can conceive it and believe it, and those aren't my words, these aren't my words. If I can, neither is the, you know, the day you were born and the day that you died. That's been around there for a long time. But if I can conceive it, and believe it. That's the glue. I can achieve it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it reminds me of another quote. Uh, by, I think it's by Charles Reed. So a thought, reap an act. So an act, reap a habit. So a habit, reap your character. So your character, reap your destiny. Which is a really one of my favorite quotes of all time. And, you know, this was an incredibly powerful conversation. And I just have two final questions. And I just wanted to say thank you uh, for your time today and for being so flexible. And I look forward to, to really continuing this journey of friendship um, and, and collaboration. And, and the, the last two questions are one, where can people go to, to connect with you, to interact with you online? What's the best way to do that? And then, and then uh, answer that question. And then I have the final question. You know, and I need to do better online. I'm actually going to see if one of my daughters here will help me with that. We opened up a page. I got, I have Kevin Hall like, 
is my like page. And we opened that up. We got like 50,000 people. I used to be more active and then it got a little overwhelming. So I need to do better at that. And I will commit to do that. And you can also find me Kevin Hall Aspire, which is the name of my book. Or you can email me Kevin at powerofwords.com, or you can reach out to Mike. If somebody in this community wants to get me, Mike knows how to get a hold of my personal cell number, and I'm not going to give that out, but Mike will know if we need to visit. And if there's anything I could do to serve you or help you, it would be my great honor. And, and as you just said, Mike, by the way, of course you know that quote. Of course you know that. I always say, if you plant the seeds, the harvest cannot be prevented but some people they're they're shaking the tree that was never planted saying where's the fruit but they never took the time to plant the seeds and i gotta i'm gonna give you an invitation mike as i send this coin you need to come to my genshai life master event i'm not promoting it here on your experience and we're almost out we i think we've got a handful of seats left we have thought leaders i'm going to be honoring john maxwell this year I'm going to have Rudy there. He was there last year. Immaculate Ilobagiza, who wrote Left to Tell, hid in a bathroom that was three by four feet with seven other women. When she talks about forgiving the man who took a machete and killed her father, he was her high school teacher, but he was in a different tribe. You'll never be the same. We're going to honor Immaculate and John this year. And Rudy is just a piece of work is going to talk about getting all in and having passion. But at the end of January, the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I want you coming to Southern Utah, close to Zion National Park, and being part of our Genshai community. So we'll talk more about that, Mike, as you look at that coin and you look at your schedule. I'd love to have you there. But if there's anything I can do for you or members of your community, and I hope you'll share this with Jesse Bond, and he'll share it with Mark Madgett, because I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for Jesse. In fact, you know what? When the coins come, I'm sending two, and you can present Jesse with his own Genshai coin that says never treat another person in a manner that would make them feel small, including yourself. And it's silver. It's been minted. It's, it's the common person's gold. Everybody can have silver, which is what Genshai is like. And I hope you'll keep that on your person. Uh, and Mike, I think the world of you are two or three conversations that we've had. I think we've had a couple. I don't think it's been three, but we've had two prior to this call. They were as deep, um, you understand human development. You understand what it's like to get knocked down and get back up. And I think people are fortunate to understand the impact that Mike can have on them. And I'm privileged to call you my friend. And if I can ever do anything for you, Mike, you're one of those people who's positive, productive, making a difference. And if you need anything from me, it'll be done. You can just count on it. Oh, same thing for you, man. I mean, and I just got goosebumps and, uh, they're called truth bumps, truth bumps. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, thank you so much again, Kevin. And the last question is a big one and it's in the same vein as, um, uh, Stephen Covey's test in, in, um, in seven habits. And it's, it's the title of another book by a guy named Clay Christensen, which is how will you measure your life? I'm going to quote another mentor. And by the way, I'm going to share this because Stephen Covey taught me that you go to the top of the learning curve. That means that you find people who have been where you want to be and have done it at a very high level. Don't start with somebody who's at the bottom of the learning curve. Go to the very top. And one of my other mentors was John C. Maxwell. And I'm not tossing out names 
I just mentioned we're going to be honoring him. John taught me this definition of success. And so I'm going to answer your question with what one of my mentors gave me. It's not my original thought. And that's okay because it saved me a whole lot of time. Quoting John C. Maxwell, he shared it with Sherry and I over dinner. It's been four or five years ago. He read my book that this is what great thought leaders do. They're always reading. Stephen Covey read or scanned a book every day of his life. John Maxwell read my book. Somebody gave it to him at the church he attended in Jupiter, Florida. said, here's this book by Kevin Hall. I think you'll like it. He found me. He found my private number. He called me and he said, hey, this is John C. Maxwell. I have kind of a raspy voice. He has that deep, resonant voice. And I said, you really, and he's, tra- he's trained pastors and ministers. I said, you really do have the voice of God. And he just laughed and <laughs> I laughed and we become dear friends. And then when he came to town, where we happened to be in Salt Lake City at that time, he made it a point. He had a secretary, Linda Eggers, reach out and say, John would like to spend a few hours with you and your wife. He only does this occasionally. And he'd like to take you to dinner. Can we schedule? We schedule the time. He bought a book, brought it, his own book. He went to a Barnes and Noble, bought his book, signed it for us. It was a great book. And then he taught me that night that success is knowing that those who know you best love and respect you the most. How about that? That is that is a winning winning way to live. Wow. And I'm not there yet, but that's what I want. I want my friends, my family, my children, my grandchildren, my wife. That's the ultimate goal. Faith, family, freedom are my three highest values. I want to be, you know, we live in a country where we can believe the way we want to believe. My family is everything. And freedom, the freedom to be able to do what you want to do. I'm going to be in Houston next week. I'm going to go back to this community. They canceled a huge event. That's why I was on that call this morning. And we go from mega camp to mega relief. And I'm going to be going into Houston back and forth. And I have an event in Austin Friday, Saturday. And I have, a, you know, I have the freedom to be able to do that and to get on the call with you today. So um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin. I mean, it's been a, it's been a huge honor. And people, I've talked about this book for the last two years. You need to go buy it like right now. We will link to it in the show notes aspire, discover your purpose through the power of words. At the same time, Amazon will probably suggest that you buy Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Do yourself a favor, buy that. Uh, Go to Genshai, G-E-N-S-H-A-I.com and and hang out there. Go to powerofwords.com. Connect with with, uh, Kevin. Email him. He's incredibly generous. And again, Kevin, thank you for being on the show and and your wonderful wife, Sherry. Thank you for all that she does to support you because we know that behind every great man is an even greater woman. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, They work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. 
Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. So I wrote a book. It's called Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning, and live life on purpose. And it will be available for sale beginning April 29th. That's Monday, April 29th. And I believe and I know it will be a transformational read for those who decide to purchase it, read it, and engage in the journal section. Why do I feel confident enough to make such a bold claim? Because, and I think that we will all agree, the greatest crisis that we face as individuals and as a society is not remembering that we've been given all we need to live a life where our full potential is at work, where we have a clear understanding of the meaning of our life, which then empowers us to live a life on purpose. It's a crisis and a tragedy because too many of us spend our life chasing things, external things and places and people and wealth and altered states, when instead the truth we desire has been dwelling within us all along. Now, how do we get to that truth? And I'm so glad you asked. Well, the book is a fictional story that will guide readers to that truth. It's been called a must-read, compelling, and thought-provoking, and inspirational. It's received praise from a wide array of thought leaders, college Hall of Fame football coaches, CEOs of major corporations, Olympic athletes, and sports psychologists. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a diverse bunch, and you're right. But it makes sense because what you will come to discover in the book is that we are all a composite of each of the characters, from the ambitious entrepreneur to the orphaned violinist, to the Cuban refugee, to the executive coach, to the janitor, and all of the supporting cast. So right now, what I want you to do is hit pause and then text the word KEY, followed by your first name, to this number, 831-607-1800. One eight. That's 831-607-1818. Text the word key followed by your name to that number and you will automatically be updated when the book goes live. Or you can go to theimpactentrepreneur.net and enter your name and email address on the homepage and you will be added to that list as well. So again, hit pause. Send me that text so you'll be added to the list, 831-607-1818, or go to the website, theimpactentrepreneur.net, and add your name and email address on the homepage, and get ready for this book to change your life on April 29th, to have a significant impact and influence on your life and the life of those that you love, beginning on April 29th. Now back to the show. Lou Holtz, the College Hall of Fame football coach, one of my personal heroes, one of the first inspirational speakers and motivators I ever heard, one of the reasons why I'm a diehard University of Notre Dame fighting Irish football fan, was on my show back in a, a while ago, quite a while ago, and we had a great conversation, and I was introduced to him by another guest of the show, a guy, another legendary human being by the name of Bernie Swain, who is the founder of the Washington Speakers Bureau, he introduced me to Coach, and I had the opportunity to interview him. And then I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd love to share my book with you. 
and get your feedback and maybe include an endorsement. And here are the kind words that Lou Holtz, the College Hall of Fame football coach, speaker, and New York Times bestselling author and analyst on ESPN shared. Lou says, we all experience adversity and how we respond to it is up to us. Life is a matter of choices. This book teaches timeless lessons on the power of choosing to own your story, gifts, action, and community. A must-read for anyone seeking personal growth. I got to tell you, when Coach sent me back that blurb, I about fell to the floor because this is like a personal hero of mine. I wrote a book. He endorsed it. It's incredible. And here we have my conversation with Lou Holtz. It's April 1st. Go to theimpactentrepreneur.net and subscribe on that homepage, enter your name and your email address so that I can keep you up to date on the progress of the book as we get closer to launch. Or you can text the word key followed by your first name to this number, 831-607-1818. And you will be added to a list to be updated on the launch of the book. What we have to find out is where our talents are. And whatever you're going to do, do it to the very best of your ability. I don't care whether you're a mailman or whether you're a carpenter or electrician. That's irrelevant. But it's just understanding where your talents are. Not everybody be all-American. Not everybody be all-conference. Not everybody be first-team. But everybody can be the very best that they're capable of being. And I used to tell my children when they said, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? Oh, I don't know. I, I want you to do that. Find something you like to do. Find something that you do pretty well. And find somebody to pay you to do it. Now, if you find somebody to pay you to do it, you've got a career. If you can't find somebody to pay you to do it, you've got a hobby. And you have to understand the difference between a career and a hobby. And one of the things that our family did many years ago with the proceeds from the books we've written, we've written three New York Times bestselling books, written more books than I've read, obviously, but <laughs> we, we took that money and we started a foundation. And one of the things we do with the foundation is we're raised in East Liverpool, Ohio. I was born in Fallsby, West Virginia. Uh, those are my two hometowns. And my wife's from that area, but the steel mills are down, the potteries are down, et cetera. So we provide scholarships. We've done this for, I don't know, 18 years now to trade schools. I mean, I have 27 graduates of automotive school working for Hill Trucking. I have uh, people that uh, are chefs, you know, went to culinary school, et cetera. And that's all. Not everybody has to go to college. Not everybody has to be in the limelight. Everybody, pick out your niche of what you can do, and let's do it well. I totally agree with that. Do you know, uh, have you ever had the chance to meet Jean-Paul DeJoria? That name rings a bell, but I, I got to tell you, Mike, I'm an old man. And God, <laughs> get, God gives you Alzheimer's, so you can't remember how far you used to hit the golf ball. But, uh, <laughs> refresh me about Paul. He is a uh, he's a billionaire, uh, but he was homeless, uh, and he made choices while he was homeless that enabled him to build a business where he is now a billionaire and having the impact that he's able to have in the world and give back in the way that 
he is now. He could have, he could still be homeless and on the street, but instead, because of the choices he made, the sacrifices he made, his willingness to go out there and take risks, uh, he now is a billionaire and owns John Paul Mitchell Systems and and uh, Patron Tequila, and uh, he's a, he's a fantastic guy. And sometime, someday, you guys should hopefully have the opportunity to. I mean, that, what, a, what a great story! I I. I, I... I hope I get a chance to meet him someday. I would learn a great deal from him. You have this great quote that says, if you're bored with life, if you don't get up every morning with a burning desire to do things, you don't have enough goals. And now there are a lot of people struggling with setting goals. They don't know how to approach it. How would you advise and coach someone to approach setting and filtering through our goals and the opportunities that present themselves? Well, I think that that is absolutely critical. Here's a question I would ask those people. The first thing I'd ask them, are you growing or are you dying? The tree's either growing or it's dying, and so is grass, so is a marriage, so is a business, so is a person. Doesn't have a thing to do with age. Has everything to do with one thing determines whether you're growing or you're dying. Are you trying to accomplish something? If you're trying to accomplish something, you're going to have an enthusiasm, excitement. You're going to get up every day because you want to accomplish it. And the problem with being retired, and I'm not retired, but my wife is, and I I said to her, you never get a day off. (laughs) I mean, when you're retired, every day is exactly the same. But I I think it's critical to have things that, that, that's what motivates you. That's what inspires people. That's why I even know I'm an old man right now that I don't want to stop. I I don't want to stop because once you stop, what gets you up in the morning? What's going to cause you to go do things? I get up every day and I've got a schedule of things that I want to accomplish and things I want to get done. And I learned that lesson when I left Notre Dame. I never thought I'd coach again. We were to go from Notre Dame, according to my mother, go directly to you sit by the Pope. And we, we took Notre Dame and we're on top and we've kept it there. And you get to the point where you say, this is pretty good. Let's not risk anything. Let's not change anything. Let's maintain. And whenever you maintain, you're dying. And so when people don't have goals, I say, well, then you're dying. And if you aren't trying to figure out how to improve your marriage, the marriage is dying. Uh, I tell my wife every day, uh, I love you, and you can't do a doggone thing about her. I, I want her to know that. How can I make it better? How can I make her feel better? How can I make her happy that she married me 56 years ago and still with me to this day? It's that simple. So when you when I had that quote, and I didn't make that quote, and I mean it to bottom of my heart, mean it even more so today. That it's not, do you want to, are you growing or are you dying? Mm-hmm. Case rest. I, I love that, Coach. And, and, you know, you mentioned leaving Notre Dame, and, and I know how much you love Notre Dame then and now. And you've had to make some tough decisions in life and let go of a lot of things that you love and are passionate about and maybe even provided you with a sense of security. So what process have you followed to help guide you through making some of these tough calls? Well, I think like anything else, you have to understand. Once let's go back to when I was coaching, I had two mandates: graduate and win. Not put them in the pros. Not get to know alumni. 
not to lower my golf handicap, not to go to cocktail parties, not to do interviews, graduate and win. If you run a business, you have two mandates. Satisfy the customer and make a profit. Not five, not ten. How do I satisfy the customer? How do I make a profit? Now, when you understand what your mandate is and what you're trying to accomplish, then you're going to start asking, what changes do I have to make in order to do those two things? For example, I think I'm the only coach to win the national championship and the award for graduating 100% of his football team the same year. And one of the things we did was we moved our study hall from a classroom where you feel like you're in jail. Somebody drops a pencil and disrupts everybody in the class. We moved our study hall to the library. Well, why did we do that? There was one way in the library and one way out. We checked them in. Nobody left till the time was up. Where do the girls go? They go to the library. <laughs> Where do the good students go? They go to the library. Where are the computers? They're in the library. Why did we make that change? So that we could graduate our athletes. There were times where we'd have to sit down and say, we got to change what we're doing offensively. Why? Not just, well, let's try this. No. Because for us to win, we got to make these changes. And people are afraid to change. Embrace change. But always ask yourself, this change I'm making, is it going to help me win? Is it going to help me graduate? If the answer is yes, then doggone it, we're going to do it. If the answer is no, then, then don't do it. If, once again, so I look at what am I trying to accomplish? If it's speaking, I want to know about the audience, what's the problems, what are the difficulties, what's their mental attitude, what, because I can't, if I go speak, number one, I want to entertain the audience. But I also want them to think, to say, look at it and say yes or no. I don't want them to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to believe it. No, you, I feel very comfortable if you analyze what I say and put it in practical. And if it doesn't work, you come back to me. I've never had anybody come back. So I don't preach. I don't like, I just try to communicate. I don't stand behind a podium. I don't read notes. I just want to talk. I want to share my thoughts. I don't talk about something I read about or heard about, just things I believe. Such powerful advice, Coach. And, you know, you've, you've coached a lot of great athletes who have turned into to great men and leaders uh, in business and outside of business. What are some common characteristics that have helped these men become great leaders on the field as well as off the field? Well, first of all, let's talk about leadership. His father, Hesburgh, said, I'm going to announce to the world you're the head football coach of Notre Dame, but I'm going to give you that title. I can't name you the leader of the Notre Dame football team. He said, titles come from above. The players are determined if you're a leader. If you're a leader, you have a vision where you want to go, plan, you lead by example, you hold people accountable. But I had some great things happen two years ago. Two years ago, I had two players that played for me at Notre Dame put into the Hall of Football Hall of Fame, the National Football, Jerome Bettis and Tim Brown the same year. The same year, I had three former players added to the Notre Dame football staff. Autry Denson of running back, Todd Light as defensive back, and Jeff Burris 
All three of them played for me. And that same year, I had two players that played for me added to the board of trustees of the University of Notre Dame, no small fee. Vice Prewell, who's now president of the NBA, and a guy named Rod West, vice president of Arkansas, Louisiana, Paragat. Those seven athletes, Mike, are all Afro-Americans. Now, I can't take credit for it. Their families have to take credit for it. But I would like to believe that we contributed their success by teaching them to make good choices, to believe in themselves, to be goal-oriented, etc. So when you go look at all those seven athletes, we could talk about each one individually. Tim Brown was a case where he didn't have enough confidence. He talked about this after one practice, first spring practice. I walked off the field and the media said, what would you think? I wasn't ready there. I said, that Tim Brown is really special. He was 13. And he came in the next day. He said, do you say it? I said, yeah. I said, Tim, do you have a drug problem? Uh, do you lie? You cheat? What, what? I, I said, because it's not talent that's keeping you from being great. I believed in him. He went on to become a Heisman Award winner. And you can go Jerome Bennett. You can go uh, Rod West. Here's an individual that came out of New Orleans. Was a good football player. Wasn't a great player. Uh, played both offense and defense. When he's at Notre Dame, contributed greatly. But he was so unselfish. Everything was team oriented. It was helping other people. What do I need? See, we have a goal. Our goal was to win, and everybody has a role. Maybe your role is to cover kickoffs. I don't want to cover. I want to. That's not important. You've got to do your role to the very best of your ability. At one time, I think I had fifty-seven players in the NFL at the same time. Not because they were all all American, but because they were great in the locker room. They were positive teammates. They stayed healthy. They were practiced on the field. They're great on special days. And when it came down, do I keep him or do I keep it? They're going to take that person who's reliable and trustworthy and committed and cares about his teammate. Powerful, you know, and and they're willing to face adversity and put in the work to overcome it on a regular basis, which, you know, which leads me to the fact that in 2015, your house burned down and you lost a lot of precious memorabilia, but your attitude and how you responded to it, all of this adversity, this, you know, this devastation was remarkable. And and one of the things you said is that in athletics, you are going to have ups and downs. And whenever we had it down, we did two things. We gave ourselves X amount of time to feel bad. And then we moved forward. It may seem like a silly question to you, coach, but how, how do you set what X time frame is, especially when you have your home, which is your 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 place of security. You've got all of this this stuff, this memorabilia that's important to you. How do you set what X time frame is for something like that? Well, first of all, my belief is if you replace something, it's not a loss. Now I replace a house. And I often think about how lucky we are to have the friends and the resources we can replace. How about the poor people that homes are burning, forest fires or floods, and they don't have the friends and the resources? Now, if you lose a child, that can't be replaced. That's a tremendous loss. But I was wakened at 2.30 in the morning by the smoke alarm. I wakened my wife. I tried to get upstairs with all the valuable things I had. 
and the smoke was too intense. We couldn't get up there. We, we get out of the house. The house burned to the ground. About 7 o'clock in the morning, I mean, there's nothing but smoldering ashes. Everything you have is gone. My wife's crying. She's 78 years of age at that time. I'm 79. And she's crying. Then, you know, I felt depressed. And I said to her, I said, honey, you have to wait o'clock Monday morning. That's 25 hours to cry to feel sorry for yourself and think about what we lost. But 8 o'clock Monday morning, we're never going to talk about this again. We're never going to look back. That happened. That's part of it. But we're going to build it bigger and better than what we lost. And within a month, we will be in that home, and I promise you, it's better than what we lost. And uh, every I've never had anything happen in my life. It didn't turn out to be a plus if you react positively to it. It will learn your benefit and will make you better in the long run. Yeah, have you ever read uh, the, the book, The Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? Yes, I have. And, and he talks specifically about that, the, the power of how we respond to things and that that is completely within our, our control. So uh, has that something, is that something you learned, that, that ability to choose that response, or is that something that you've kind of innately possessed? I, I just think it's common sense. The house burned down. I can't do anything about it now. <laughs> I mean, it's not like go back and change it. it. It happened. Where do we go from now? What's important to now? Incidentally, I said Notre Dame, a guy named Bart Timms was a, uh, a teacher at Notre Dame, and he talked to our team, and he mentioned the word win. And that's where we came up with that. And what's important now, if you ask yourself 25 times a day, this is what I want to do, what's important now, and evaluate the past, focus on the future, but tell you what you have to do in the present to accomplish it. Coach, I want to thank you for your time today. And, and uh, it's been a real honor and a privilege to have you on the show. And, and there's so many nuggets of wisdom that people can, can use to build a rock solid house that you've shared with us today. If there's one thing that you would want people to remember from our conversation today, what might it be? I think it'd be the importance of doing what's right, doing everything the very best of your ability and reaching out and caring about people. Let me tell you why I think that's important. Because if you follow those three rules, your self-image, your self-confidence grows. We have two types of people. Those that lift people up, and those are pull people down. And the only people that lift other people up are those that are confident in themselves, that believe in themselves, and like themselves. And if you lie, you cheat, and you steal, and you deceive, you can't be pleased with yourself. Consequently, your self-image is going to be down. You're going to pull other people down. So that's why I just believe that self-image, self-confidence is so important because that's going to show how you react to other people. And there, there are too many people that criticize their children unfairly. I mean, never criticize the performer, but criticize the performance. And there's a big difference. The self-image people will criticize the performer rather than the performance. And that's, the, that's going to determine whether you be successful, whether you're failing. So I just say, hey, do what's right so that your self-image goes up. Is there is there a, a short example that you can share like from your coaching days where 
you criticize the performance, but not the performer? Oh, yeah, I did that all the time. And if I went back into coaching, Mike, which I won't, I'd be a far better coach than I've ever been before because I understand certain things now. What you say to an individual is very important. But what you say is not near as important as your tone of voice. And your tone of voice is not near as important as your facial expression. So I would be more demanding. I'd have higher standards. But I would say, son, that was a dumb thing to do. And I'll tell you what, come <laughs> Monday, you're going to regret that thing. When I get you on the practice field, I can hardly wait to run you up and down. <laughs> and, and, and they will not resent it. They'll appreciate it because you didn't attack them personally. But you do attack the performance. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.